0: Hello and welcome to The Pulse. In part two of tonight's show, is China about to liberalise or clamp down? Two recent indicators suggest the latter. The first is a PLA documentary that presents Hong Kong's democracy seekers as stooges of the United States and Britain. And then there's President Xi Jinping's comments on further controls on the internet. First, though, controls on Hong Kong's television providers as the controversy over the government's refusal to award a free TV license to HKTV reached new levels this week, with an attempt in the Legislative Council to invoke the Powers and Privileges Bill to investigate how that decision was made.
1: 我就放了在宴會廳請大家吃大家賞臉就不要客氣最能夠可能一次投票支持的議案的動議
2: The controversy has been raging ever since the government announced three weeks ago that it wasn't going to award a third new free TV license. The public wants to know why the number of new licenses was limited, why two applicants, who'd apparently done little to prepare for the offer, were awarded them, and why it's applying a protectionist attitude to the industry. This week pan Democratic legislators introduced a motion to the full council in the hope of obtaining documents involved in the process of
1: vetting the applications.
3: Lao
1: Jay, the For disclosure through the PNP ordinance, the main focus is whether disclosing those documents or evidence is essential for the National Council to carry out its duty to the public to find out the truth as to what happened and then account to the public as to what happened. But then, in general, disclosure of documents under judicial proceedings cannot be disclosed to the public.
2: Under the split vote system, the motion needed to be passed by both the functional constituencies and the geographical constituencies. It was expected that it would pass in the geographical constituencies. The crucial deciding votes were in the functional constituencies. Before the debate on the motion, Chief Executive Leung Ying had a closed-door meeting with legislators from two pro-establishment political parties, the New People's Party and the Business and Professionals Alliance for Hong Kong. Some legislators even said the Liaison Office contacted them to express concern about the free TV license issue.
4: Some did change their minds before voting. 在這個情況之下,我們決定兩人都投棄權票 謝謝主席 特首,我也很希望你收起你的高傲 真心去聆聽市民的訴求以及各大政黨給你的意見
1: (音) (音) Roughly around 50,000
2: Hong Kong protesters gathered outside the Tamar government offices. Opposing them were pro government protesters, waving Chinese national flags and singing patriotic songs. Many of them were from fellow townsmen associations and hailed from places such as Hainan, Guangxi and Shanwei.
5: 我已經知道他為何不發牌給他
2: Protesters waving Hong Kong's former colonial flag were forbidden from entering the protest area by the police but the conflict between different groups of demonstrators couldn't be prevented. By Wednesday night, the motion debate still hadn't finished. As pro-establishment legislators left the Legislative Council, protesters expressed loud dissatisfaction. (laughs) Apart from the public discontent with the current state of the television they've been getting, there's also anger over the apparent black box operation through which the decision was made. The chief executive initially used confidentiality rules to justify why no details of the deliberations would be released, even though many said the rules didn't apply that broadly. Partly to win over wavering pro-establishment legislators, the day before the powers and privileges ordinance motion debate, the chief executive provided six pages of written explanation. It says the assessment made by the chief executive in council reflects an overall judgment. It has formed the view that Fantastic TV and HKTVE outperform HKTV in overall terms. The council disclosed to all applicants the four consultants reports and provided sufficient time and opportunities for the applicants to respond on these matters, which adhered to procedural fairness. It also added it's unnecessary to invoke the Legislative Council Powers and Privileges Ordinance to intervene and politicize the matter. HKTV chairman Ricky Wong replied that the explanation was incomplete, untrue and unfair. Few expected the attempt to invoke the Powers and Privileges Ordinance to pass. They were not surprised.
0: Welcome back. In recent weeks, a documentary surfaced on the internet on the mainland. The documentary called Silent Contest was made by China's National Defense University for the People's Liberation Army and has led some people to ask whether the administration actually wants to create a new Cold
1: War with the West. 这是英国驻香港总领馆六四集会 七一游行, 抵制国民教育, Pong Those were among the views presented in silence
4: contests
3: which also labelled among the mainland's enemies and destabilising forces, the Dalai Lama and the Uyghur democracy activist Rubia Kadir. For a while, that documentary appeared on mainland websites and attracted a considerable amount of ridicule from Chinese web users. It has gradually been removed from all internal websites. But thus, the removal suggests that there are still strong divisions among senior levels of the Chinese Communist Party that's the question analysts have been asking. Being mobbed on the Internet is not an experience the Chinese leadership much likes. And in a reported August speech by Xi Jinping, the Communist Party chief, he took a line on controlling the Internet and ordering the Party's propaganda machine to build a strong army to seize the ground of new media. And there are indications that the crackdown is going beyond mere words as censors are tightening control on the internet, shutting down websites for rumor mongering, and silencing outspoken social media commentators.
0: Well, given the rhetoric of silent contests and Xi Jinping's recent hardline comments on controlling the Chinese Internet, is the country spiralling towards a new age of Cold War rhetoric, or are the attempts to backpedal on these issues a sign of the struggle within the country's top echelons? With us in the studio are David Swig, who is the Director of the Centre on Transnational Relations at the University of Science and Technology, and veteran China watcher Willie Lam. David Swig, can I come to you? Is this your view? Do you think that the, that the Chinese government's policy now is becoming a more kind of Cold War policy?
5: The, the, whether there's a Cold War mentality, um, uh, I'm not sure I would take it so far. I think, I think that there's, two, there's a, it's sort of a two-fisted policy. Right? On the one hand, there's a desire to placate the, the internal nationalists. I think Xi Jinping's view of China dreams says it's a great country, it's large, it should have more influence. But I think on the other hand, we hear voices saying, look, you know, th- this makes things very difficult. If we want to get along with the s- countries of Southeast Asia, we have to make more concessions. We have to find out ways to negotiate. We recently had a, um, a a guy I thought was a hardliner come down here to give a talk in Hong Kong, and he, in public, complained about o- excessive hardline policies. So, I, you know, I wouldn't say it's all one way. I think it's a t- you know, two-sided policy here. Well, I guess that, that, that there are different voices within the policy
4: establishment in, in in China. I think um, it 's not surprising that the uh, the p o a generals there are quite a few who um, have personal uh, good personal connections with Xi Jinping who are advocating a a, a more uh, aggressive um, high power projection, but at the same time, I think uh, there are more supposedly uh, rational advisors who are advocating using, um, for example, economics based uh, diplomacy. So that's why, uh, for example, in the recent visits made by Xi Jinping and Liu Kaicheng to the uh, Southeast Asian countries, I think they're emphasizing uh, economic cooperation, infrastructure cooperation, and so forth. So I think this um, double fisted policy will, will go on. But can being. I just
0: ask you about Hong Kong because specifically in this, this clip that we've just seen you, you, you hear them referring to people who are opposed to the Hong Kong government's policy the Occupy Central people as being tools of foreign agents that seems to me to be a slightly different approach You know, all opposition is illegitimate than we've heard before
4: well it's true, I, th- I think it's an uh, exacerbation of a familiar uh, conspiracy theory I think even at the time of Deng Xiaoping uh, there were references made in internal discussion uh, within the CCP that Hong Kong might become a, uh, a front line uh, uh, for uh, hostile uh, anti Chinese forces uh, trying to subvert the. Um, the mainland uh, social disorder. And recently, of course, there's been talk about this uh, separatist movement in Hong Kong and so forth. So that's why uh, the People Study Overseas Edition recently run a, ran an article saying that the Occupy Central Forces represent uh, a force of extremism, which is a term they usually use for separatists in Xinjiang and Tibet. So I think uh, the conspiracy theory that somehow the, the CIA is behind the Occupy Central Movement Uh, it's it's an entrenched uh, uh, notion within certain elements of the leadership but but it doesn't mean that they would continue you know to use only uh, tough tactics Uh, at the same time they're also pursuing uh, softer united front tactics against some of the uh, players in Hong Kong
5: it's important to remember um, it was always shocking to me that after the 2003 protest march I I think the guy's name was Gao So he was the leader of the liaison officer number two publicly said that everybody who, he knows, he knew that everybody who participated in the march got 100 U.S. dollars from the American consulate. First of all, the consul general said he wished he had that much money. That's <laughs> a lot of money, 500,000 <laughs> people. You give everybody 100 bucks. Um, I participated the second year. I didn't get any money. Um, but uh, the, the fact that a leader, in, a, a representative, an official representative of Chinese government can stand up in public and say something that is clearly untrue for the purpose of propaganda and accusing the Americans of subverting and undermining the the, the Hong Kong government and undermining China's con- control here, that I mean, that's that's really silly. Um, uh, it, it calls into question sort of the veracity of what the Chinese government says, uh, and I think that it, you know it reflects back. Um, into this, this video that we're, ta- we're going to be talking about, that, that, would, that they can say outlandish things, outrageous things, um, and, and, and think that it's okay.
0: Uh, we've got this uh, meeting coming up, this important meeting in the Central Committee. Is, is there any real sign, other than the usual straw in the wind, that there's a big power struggle going on? between the so-called liberals and the uh, so-called hardliners. Will we see any
4: of that? Well, I guess um, they will publish an ambitious economic reform blueprint. So I I think there's a uh, reasonably high degree of consensus within the leadership uh, uh, across the political spectrum that even though on ideological, political matters, uh, that might be some signs of even a restitution of, of Maoist values. I think on, on the economic front, I think there's a consensus that they, they have to move uh, uh, towards the market. That means uh, bringing in more market forces and curtailing some of the uh, state uh, control over the economy, for example. Let's uh, talk about a high degree of um, privatization of the four major commercial banks. Let's talk about Land um, privatization yeah privatization and, and also allowing farmers to sell their pieces of land uh, so as, so that they can move to the cities and, and uh, boost consumer spending, which uh, the leadership agrees is very important because they cannot rely forever on exports and on government investments to jack up a GDP growth rate. so I think there's a reasonable degree of consensus to,
0: Okay, to move that's the, the economic days. front. What no. do you expect to be seeing on the political front well, from here? Well,
5: I think a lot of the economic policies that, that Willie's talking about actually have serious political ramifications. I mean, the, the vested interests, right, that we talk about. I mean, I don't see it so much as a left, right, or liberal, conser- you know, conservative conflict. I agree with Willie. I think there's probably consensus out there. Um, Um, So so that's, you know, I don't see it so much as that that kind of power struggle. And I think that one of the things that always strikes me about this meeting is that Xi Jinping's done remarkably well in terms of strengthening his hand. Nobody thought last year um, in October that he was going to be able politically to have the power to drive forward this, probably, this reformist document at the third plenum. The one thing I will say about politics, and then I'll let you in, Willie, is that... One thing that we've heard about, and I'm not sure if that will really happen, is a separation of the courts and local governments. We've seen that discussed. And, and there seems to be a concern that local state in China is just too powerful. And they can use the courts to steal land, to do all, you know, the corruption drive. These guys get away with it because they control the courts. And so we've actually seen, doc, you know, sort of rumors, but articles, reports in the press in Chinese saying that they're going to separate this. If they can pull that off, that's a big deal.
4: Yeah, there will be some movement on, on, on legal reforms, uh, even the perhaps the discussion about the abolition of the Lao Gai, you know, this reform through labor uh, regime and so forth. Uh, and 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 certainly, I think. Um, Uh, We have to bear in mind that regarding uh, economic financial reforms, I think uh, Xi Jinping has talked about striking the right balance between reform on the one hand and stability on the other. So I think, uh, apart from uh, bringing in market-oriented changes, I think they would also need to care care about uh, maintaining uh, economic growth. uh, 7.2% would be the minimum, as as, uh, Li Keqiang said. And also, uh, Xi Jinping uh, is also um, conscious about maintaining the party-state apparatus over some sectors of the economy.
0: But I'm going to have to... <laughs> um,
4: I'm sorry, we're, we're,
0: we're going to have to wind it up here. Thank you both very much indeed. We'll see you at the same time next week. Until then, goodbye.